In Jesus' name, amen. We're starting a new series called One Month to Live. Today's theme is what matters most. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. The idea behind this series is if you knew you had one month to live, what would you value? If I asked you to think about in your notes, what would you do with only one month to live? And this question is not a new one. It's been around for a long time. Some people, they say, well, they would quit their jobs. Some people would spend more time with their families. Some would just eat and eat and eat some more. Others would drink a lot of Diet Pepsi, they say. Some people would decide just to slow down a little bit. Others would give and forget things that from their past. So we're going to start to seriously think about what would you do with only one month to live. This would be a four-part sermon series. Any of you have near-death experiences in your life? I'm sure that you could relate. A time when maybe you were seriously ill, or when you were involved in an accident, or when you were in surgery and complications arose, or when you were driving your car or truck and you saw your life flash before you. Makes you start thinking. Makes you very thankful to God for his divine interventions. Makes you more aware that life is a precious gift and you value each day. So back to the question, what would you do with only one month to live? Look at James 4 verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. You often hear people say, you know, time certainly flies. Have any of you heard that phrase? Boy, time flies. Raise your hand if you heard that phrase. Time flies. That's a cute phrase, but it's not true. Time doesn't fly. That's a fallacy. Time is really one of the very few constants that we have in life. Time is the one thing that we can rely on. Inflation does not affect time. Five minutes today is the same as five minutes 20 years ago. And is the same as the five minutes 20 years in the future. Time does not fly. It just ticks away. And as it ticks, we can never get it back. Your life is here a little while and then it's gone. Isn't that a nice cheery verse from James? James is saying that we should pay attention then to how short life is. Instead of blaming time that, oh, time flies away, like somehow time has a will of its own, and that the job of time is just to torture us. No, James says we need to take responsibility for the time that God has given to us. So when you know she has to be a good steward of time. Looking at Psalm 90, verse 12. Read it with me together out loud. Teach us to realize the brevity of life, 
so that we may grow in wisdom. And that's exactly what this series is all about. One month to live. God teach us to make the most of our time so that we do not waste our time, this limited time that you have given us on this earth. This is my prayer for this series. God help us to identify the true wisdom in life. Really, what matters most? And then give us the power to spend our time on those values. Now, there are two sets of wisdom in your notes. Number one, there's the wisdom of the world. And too often we give in to living our lives by worldly values. According to the wisdom of this world, when you really look at people's lives, they're either living the according to the world's values or they're living into God's values. So in your notes number two, there's the wisdom of God. Without having a prayer where we are begging God to help us identify his values, and we live it by his wisdom, then we're going to default many times to the wisdoms of the world. That was happening in the New Testament. In the church at Thessalonica, Paul there saw some people who were living according to the wisdom of the world and some who were living according to the wisdom of God. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 to 13. We hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, wasting time, meddling in other people's business. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. No, we command them Settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. And I say to the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. If you study this passage, what you would see is that Paul gives a slap on the hand to one group and a pat on the bottom to another. The two groups include in your notes number one, first of all, those wasting their time. They're wasting their time. And number two, and you notice the second group was making a good choice, good choices with their time. I've highlighted a couple of words that I want you to unpack a little bit more. So circle the word hear in that verse. Paul says we hear. It's a phrase, I wonder what Paul would say, what he would hear from our church or St. John Lutheran today. And you notice, what are people hearing? It doesn't matter if you're a faithful attender, a guest. What are people saying about your life? What are they hearing about your life? Are you living your life in a way that is actually newsworthy? Not that you are bragging, but if somebody were to write a letter about your life, just what would they say? We hear that you're wasting your life, or we hear that you're making great decisions with your time. That is, we hear that you really know what matters most. You are pursuing that with passion, as opposed to living idle lives, as Paul refers to here. Circle the word also, idle, in that verse. Idle lives might at first seem like they don't apply to any of us. We're all such busy people. We're the movers and shakers. We have got the job or jobs to pay bills. We're busy people. And you say we're not idle, right? But idle has two meanings. In your notes, number one, idle means not moving. 
The word idol is a little bit confusing because as soon as you think of the word idol, you're thinking of not moving, sitting still, wasting away. But in another translation of this same verse, the New International Version of the Bible, the word idol is translated number two in your notes as busybody. A busybody is having a lot of movement, but very little substance. A busybody is where the wheels are spinning, but the car is not progressing. The group at Thessalonica was very, very busy, just not with what matters most. They were busybodies. Anybody here know any busybodies today? Because there are a lot of busybodies in our American culture. In a moment of honest reflection, could busybody describe any of you? You have given anyone the illusion of busyness? Because we think that busy is always better, so we say, oh, sure, I'm busy. Maybe it's not an illusion, though. Maybe you are legitimately out of control, busy. But are you really putting your time into what matters most? Are you pursuing the values that help you focus on God and to grow in your relationship with him? If you had one month to live, do you know from the wisdom of God what you would be majoring in? See, Paul was giving a pat on the back to one group. To never get tired of doing good. So Paul was writing to people who were doing good, who were right there with God, but they were focusing on what matters most. See, Paul did not want them to be tempted to go the busybody route. He saw the danger that they would grow weary of doing good, and they become indifferent in what matters most. So to them and to each of us, Paul gives four challenges for one month to live. I want you to write some of these down. In your notes, number one, decide to live like you're dying. Think about that. If we were to live like we were dying, we would immediately identify what matters most to us. We would think with crystal clarity, you would know how to prioritize your time and you know how to seize the day. If you were living like you were dying, no matter where you're at spiritually, you would grow closer to God. Now, I realize not everyone here has that as a goal, to draw closer to God. You may be here because your mom or dad forced you to come today, or because of a boyfriend or girlfriend that you're dating, you would like to date. If you decide to live like you're dying, you would grow. You would grow closer to God. You start wherever you're at then. One month to live. A challenge that God can use what make you, make you different. Number two in your notes. The second challenge Paul gives to us. Determine to live with passion. So number one, you decide to live like you're dying. And number two, you determine to live with passion. And what is passion? Some people think passion is a synonym for excitement, but it's not. Excitement that comes and that goes. Here today, gone tomorrow. Passion is much, much deeper than that, though. Passion is what you live for. Passion is what you get up in the morning for. Passion recognizes that life is short. Passion recognizes that life 
is to be lived the way that God has designed it to be lived. See, passion embraces a bigger picture of life with God's purpose. So you recognize that life here on this earth is temporary in light of eternal life. Passion acknowledges that life is best lived when it's being given away to serve God and to serve others. So your passion wakes up when you understand what matters most to you. In your notes, number three, the third challenge, define my one month to live values. This is really helpful to grow in your passion. It will help you to clearly move the ball down the field. This step will help you to not to be a busy body and just have the wheels spinning. So what would you do if you had one month to live? I want you to write down on a piece of paper your values. Make a list of them. Write everything that you would do in one month's time if you knew you were going to die. You may have up to 30 different things that you had to do. I would then ask you to write a shorter list of that. Weed out some of the few things that maybe would bankrupt you, like quitting your job. Your shorter list now becomes the object of your passion. Those important things become your concise goals. Nothing becomes motivating until you make it very specific. I will give you one of my values. Give full attention, I wrote, to attending a Bible study ministry, improving it, developing it at St. John. Because I believe that St. John congregation will move forward on two rockets. The first source of power is our every Sunday worshiping together. As we weekly gather for worship, receiving the sacrament, we will have energy for our mission and for our ministries. The second source of power is every member involved in Bible study. On that short list is to increase then the attendance of weekend worship and increase attendance in Bible classes. So number one, you decide to live life like you're dying. Number two, you determine to live with passion. Number three, you define your one month to live values. How can we accomplish the things that we are passionate about? Then number four in your notes, depend on God's power. It's important to know that you really all have done this one month to live thing before. For example, when you sat in a funeral, things goes quiet, you start grieving. You celebrate the life of someone who hopefully would live the life in faith. But in the quietness of that funeral, you make, make some resolves to be different. You make some decisions then and there. You name some things that you want to change about yourself. You might leave that funeral and you call a loved one or a family member or call a friend. You might change for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. But you go back to the way that you were living then afterwards. So Paul explains why human efforts to change fail. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 19 and 20. Paul writes, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So in your notes, New Year resolutions, they fade. All human resolutions fade. 
They fade because they rely on one's own power. And the only way to success in your notes is to move from willpower to real power. My own willpower is not enough for me to pursue what really matters most. To be successful, I must depend on God's power to help me to achieve some of the things that we're talking about. So when you have in your notes God's presence, then you also have God's power. When Jesus is present in your heart, in your life, the same power is yours at will. Power to heal relationships. Yes, power to save your family. Power to intervene in the marketplace. Power to rescue your life. Power to help you focus on what matters most. Power, God's power, is available to you to live the life that you were created to live. So in conclusion, let me summarize. What are we talking about? Week number one. I want you to decide to live like you're dying. That's the big idea of this whole first message. I want you to begin to live with passion. With passion for what matters most. One month to live. Define your values. In your notes, what matters most is really not trying to add years to your life. It's not trying to add in your notes years to your life. Rather, what matters most is trying to, in your notes, add life to your years. Imagine what God can do if you lived like you were dying. And you identified those values that would give you a passion for life. Your focus would change. So look at what Paul says in Philippians 1, verses 20 and 21. Paul writes, Everything happening to me in this jail. Where is Paul at? He's in jail in Philippi. Only serves to make Christ more accurately known. Regardless of whether I live or die, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Alive, Paul writes, I am Christ's messenger. Dead, I am his bounty. So life versus even more life, I cannot lose, Paul says. Amen.